It's Friday, March 25th, 2016, and this is Radio Wave. This is Radio Wave with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. Our Lady has just given her March 18th apparition, the annual apparition to Mariana. We did a special show about that. And Our Lady continues her saga, our saga that we would think a television program might do in its continuation next week. And all her messages connect to form a bouquet of how modern man must live to be presented in eternal life forever. And it's beautiful to see these things unfold and how she says what she says. And it's a beautiful thing today, Good Friday, that we receive a 25th message on that day because we know the special attention should be paid when these things coincide with such a grand day for our salvation that what our Lady's words say to us have a special purpose and a special meaning. Our Lady, Queen of Peace of Medjugorje's March 25th, 2016th message to the world. Dear children, today I am carrying my love to you. God permitted me to love you and out of love to call you to conversion. You little children are poor in love. And you still have not comprehended that my son Jesus, out of love, gave his life to save you and to give you eternal life. Therefore, pray, little children, pray, so that in prayer you may comprehend God's love. Thank you for having responded to my call. We've spoken many times about the beginning of our lady's message when she says, Dear children, and we're used to that, we see that, and how she opens her letter to us, because we read it through words, we don't hear her voice, we don't have it tape recorded, so the first things we see is these words in print, Dear children, but what followed that is the word today, which we pointed out long ago, probably 15, 20 years ago, I started pointing that out after that January 25th, 87, first message of the month, that she began to say this, I want you to apply this message today in your life. All the mess you've made of it, all the things in the past, 
You can't do anything about it. Water's under the bridge. But what you can do is start applying immediately to your life the messages that change the future. You can't change what's happened in the past. But those bad seeds that's producing bad fruit for you now can be planting good seeds today if you act on the message at this moment. Don't try to fix the past. Start living today so that as the future comes to you and it goes into the past, you've planted good seeds and you begin picking good fruit. But what other words is not looked at with seriousness or seen is Our Lady says at the end of the message, my call. It's interesting that she repeatedly and always says this, my call. That's the two words it ends with. My call, my call, my call. What does that mean? What does it mean to call? What do you do when you call somebody? What do you use to call somebody? How do you call somebody if you want to? If you need to get in touch with somebody, what do you do? You put out the call. And we use that to the telephone these days, which is now transferred from landlines to cell phones. And so we make this call to be in communication. Our Lady says to respond to my call. Where does that take us? What does that mean? Tonight you'll learn more what that means. Because Our Lady told us in a statement, you little children are poor in love. What does that mean? Our Lady said a few days ago, March 18th, you must be poor in spirit to be filled with love. So she qualifies tonight, you're poor in love. On the 18th, she says, you must be poor in spirit and filled with love. So what is poor in spirit? I was in Medjugorje. I asked Our Lady, Mary, I see this over and over. I see it in the Bible. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? Tell me. Help me to find out. Make it clear to me what is poor in spirit means. Well, I flew out that next day. Actually, that night. I'm in the airport. And I have a little red book that I carry with me that I never read. I've carried it for two years. Thought if I ever need it or the plane's going down, maybe I'll open up and read it. And I was sitting at the airport because I was delayed for a while. I opened it up, and I opened up this. It was written by Scriva, who's now a saint. And it said, don't forget, he who has most, who needs least. Don't create needs for yourself. It went on to say, detach yourself from the goods of the world. Love and practice poverty of spirit. Well, that got my attention. I remember asking our lady, I want you to explain to me what you mean by poor in spirit. It goes on, it says, be content with what is sufficient for leading a simple and temperate life. Our lady just said that. To be simple. She says, you must be poor in spirit and filled with love and mercy you must have a pure and simple heart and always be ready to serve. Wow. So I'll continue to read this. What an attachment to the things of the world, but soon they'll all slip from your grasp. What do you hold every day? What do you do every day? What dictates your day? 
And then I read this lastly. If riches abound, set not your heart upon them. Strive rather to use them generously, and if necessary, heroically. Be poor in spirit. These kinds of things are thunder for your life, especially when a few hours before you're in Medjugorje and you hear her say, be poor in spirit. Show me, Mary. Every time I see this, even in the Bible, I want to know what that means. If riches abound, and it does for everybody today, even poor people, set not your heart upon them, strive rather to use them generously, and if necessary, heroically. Are you walking through your day using what you have at hand? Heroically? Or does it absorb you? Does it consume you? Our Lady wants us to watch the Lamb. She wants us to be following Him. Because there's something to the Lamb that we're not getting today. And we're not getting it today because things and materialism has absorbed us. And so the most faithful Christian, those even in Medjugorje, I see this sign over and over and over. And they're not watching and understanding what happened today, and they don't contemplate. Good Friday's taking place today. How much time did they spend contemplating as opposed to what the world has intertwined into their daily life that they're not watching for the Lamb? But if they did, and they contemplated, and tuned out of everything in the world, they see everything in a different kind of light. On the road to Jerusalem The time had come to sacrifice again My two small sons, they walked beside me on the road The reason that they came was to watch the Lamb Daddy, Daddy What will we see there? There's so much that we don't understand So I told them of Moses And Father Abraham Then I said, dear children, watch the land There will be so many in Jerusalem today We must be sure the land doesn't run away And I told them of Moses Father Abraham Then I said, dear children Watch the land And when we reached the city I knew something must be wrong There were no joyful worshipers No joyful worship songs I stood there with my children In the midst of angry men Then I heard the crowd cry out Crucify him 
first one cried for mercy The people gave him none The second one was violent He was arrogant and loud I still can hear his angry voice Screaming at the crowd Then someone said There's Jesus I scarce believe my eyes A man so badly beaten He barely looked alive Blood poured from his body From the thorns upon his brow Running down the cross Falling to the ground I watched him As he struggled I watched him as he fell The cross came down upon his back The crowd began to yell In that moment I felt such agony In that moment I felt such loss Until a Roman soldier grabbed my arm And screamed You! Him. Then his hand reached for his sword And so I knelt and took the cross from the Lord I placed it on my shoulder And started down the street The blood that he'd been shedding Was running down my cheek They led us to Golgotha They drove nails deep in his feet and hands And yet upon the cross I heard him pray Father, forgive them Oh, never have I seen such love In any other eye To thy hands I commit my spirit He prayed and then he died I stood for what seemed like years I'd lost all sense of time Until I felt two tiny hands Holding tight to mine My children stood there weeping I heard the oldest say Father, please forgive us Blair Ran away Daddy, Daddy What have we seen here? There's so much that we don't understand So I took them in my arms And we turned and faced the cross 
Then I said, dear children, watch the lamb. Dear children, watch the lamb. There's so much that we don't understand. This is an old song. And then a lady says, today, after 35 years on most of apparitions, you still have not comprehended that my son Jesus, out of love, gave his life to save you and to give you eternal life. What is it that we don't understand that we don't comprehend? Just like the question in the song, or the statement, there's so much we don't understand. But it's amazing that our lady is saying this today. After all this and our prayers and what we do, you still don't comprehend. Why is that? Because we're falling further and further of understanding God and who he is and what he's done for us and the price he's paid. You have to start questioning your life of what is the God's in your life. You have to comprehend that to realize, is he replacing these false gods, her son? You would say, no, I don't do that. Are you being honest? Are you properly reflecting and being honest with yourself? Our lady didn't say, you still have not comprehended if you do understand that. Our life is plagued today with idols. I found it a little intriguing when Our Lady said, God permitted me to love you and out of love to call you to conversion. But this word permitted, it's as if Our Lady approached God about and asking him, can she love us? How much is it God sending Our Lady today? And how much is it that Our Lady approached God to ask for this time? Have you talked to me about that today? No. The number one word of this whole message that stood out to me as soon as I read it was the word permitted. You mean she had to get permission from God to love us? I actually wrote a note beside that saying to the effect, we are not worthy to be loved by someone so pure. And for his mother to be permitted to do that or allowed by him, when we live an atrocious life, it must be because we rejected the cross. Modern man has turned away from redemption. And we're unworthy to be loved by his mother. And actually, in justice, we can't be. But in boundless mercy, we can be. She said that on the 18th. Poor in spirit and filled with love and mercy, you must be, she said. 
she's bringing aside of God's mercy, her son's mercy, because we're unworthy the way we're living with the gods that we have at hand all day long to be loved by her. But he also knew by sending her and giving her permission to come and love us that she's going to let us get away with things, heal us from things that he's finished with. We're under judgment and long ago we should have been taken care of and corrected. But it was her at the foot of the cross. It was her who suffered. It's her who can go now and come to the earth. Because she said last month, I'm coming. Today she says, I'm carrying my love to you. At the same time, she's making a call to us. So it's an amazing thing that Our Lady says to us these words that tell us, I'm carrying my love to you, and I had to get permission to do that because you are unworthy, not from her words. We're unworthy to receive that after we've gone decade after decade away from God. We rejected God, and it's us who should inherit ourselves, and that's who is saving us. And only that what person who can make us new again, who stood at the foot of the cross, who did that. So 
Think about your day-to-day. Reflect on it. How much time did you spend on things that you're absorbed in and you are preoccupied with compared to being absorbed and preoccupied with God? St. Paul says, pray unceasingly. Our lady said in a message, pray unceasingly. So repeat exactly what he said. You might say, okay, yeah, I follow the messages. God's always on my mind. But what through the day preoccupied you today or tomorrow or yesterday? These things that our life that has our attention has come in to be God's. Not God the Father. We see families today completely disjointed, completely connected to the world all day long and not with each other. They can be out to eat. They're all on the cell phones. 
They can be traveling. They can be at the airport. I read today some of the people killed in Belgium were talking to somebody at that moment. You might say, oh, that was really good. They were talking to him when they got killed. No, it's a sign of sickness. That rather than talking to a loved one, if they're standing in line at a ticket counter, if they'd been contemplating God. You still have not comprehended my son and how he died out of love for you. And so we have broken up family. We have disconnected family. We don't know what it means to follow God anymore. All the Christians say, yes, we do. Then why does Allah come saying this? You don't know. You don't understand. You don't know who God is. You, you, you imagine God who you think he is, not how he truly is. Why does she say these things? She's trying to reach you, but you're not reflecting because you don't form your day by a biblical mandate of praying unceasingly and putting yourself in that state where you can. Knowing that Our Lady doesn't waste anything in her messages, any, any words, for Our Lady to come today and say, today I'm carrying my love to you, why do we need to know that? What's so important that we need to know, first of all, what does it mean that she's carrying her love to us, but why is it important that we even know that? Well, carrying is a, a verb, it's an action. Our Lady's literally doing something. That doesn't. She's not saying something figuratively or like something symbolically. She literally is carrying love to the earth. And she dispenses that for those who are open to her, those who are tuned into her. And then if they're tuned into her, where does she point? To her son. And her and her son points to God the Father. The chair of the Father in the home is ridiculed. He's not there anymore. He's raising children or children being raised in the family where that symbol of God the Father doesn't mean anything anymore. We've lost that. We lost that in the sense that people are lonely. You go to all these people that are the dredge of society or either the rich of society. The deficiencies in their life is that image of Father. And the father doesn't have to be perfect. The mother makes the image of the husband how she respects them for his frailties or his strength. She criticizes him. This damages the children. He sits in a chair that represents God the Father. And a lot of people are crippled. And actually the whole world's crippled because of that because we have hate. We have hate in the family and no love. And so our lady's telling us that we're poor in spirit. Because we don't have love and mercy. We don't understand that. Because we've got a fracture in the family and loneliness. The people are raised in such a vacuum of God the Father and who is his representative that we've got people angry. Anger, we just talked about on Mizunomics yesterday, can be a good thing if it's righteous. But if it's unrighteous, it's a very bad thing. We have people in rage. They kill each other, either physically or either in the way they alienate themselves from, divorce, break up the family, and destroy people's lives forever. So we have to reflect on what I'm saying when she says, I'm carrying my love to you. God permitted me to love you out of love to call you to conversion 
called you to conversion means to come to God, to change the direction of your life, and see things in a whole different light of the way God and who He is and what He expects of us. Sometimes at night I'd lie awake Longing inside For my father's embrace Sometimes at night I'd wander downstairs And pray he'd returned But no one was there Oh, how I cried A child all alone Waiting for him to come home My father's chair Sat in an empty room My father's chair Covered with sheets My father's chair
So Our Lady says today, therefore pray, little children, pray so that in prayer you may comprehend God's love. How much did you pray today? On Good Friday, you said, oh, I did my four rosaries. How much time did you give to that if you didn't do that? But what if you did say your four rosaries? Did that dictate your day, your prayer, or did something else? Were you dealing with other people all day long or with God so that you could comprehend his love? You don't reflect, which is a tragedy today. We have a, we have a poverty of reflection. We're very poor in that sense that we don't reflect, we don't have the time, our day's structured, completely self-absorbed in things that pertain to us and surround us. In Our Lady's March 2nd message this year, she says that Jesus proved his love for us through his sacrifice. And then she went on to say, but even today, Many of my children do not know him. They do not want to come to know him. They are indifferent. Because of their indifference, my heart suffers painfully. Today, it is Good Friday. Our Lady gives this such a short message. And she says to us, you don't, after all of this time, you don't comprehend my son's love that he gave his life for you. You don't understand. You don't comprehend. After 35 years of Our Lady coming to the earth, trying to explain, show, love us in his place, so short of a message as if she's saying in this pain that she's suffering because of indifference, what more can I say to you? What more can I do for you? And that's my question. What more can she do to make the world comprehend her son's love and what he did and what sacrifice he made for us that we can have the gift of eternal life? She can't. She cannot do it if she can't get us to start reflecting. And everything and anything that stops us from reflecting is blocking the ability for us to know God or identify what he's doing. God is actually running after us. We're, he is in pursuit of us. And we're outrunning him. And he can't catch up with us. Where you say, he's God. He can do that if he wants to. No, he needs your permission. He needs you to stop and start thinking. Because you're running toward a cliff that you can't see. As soon as you make the curve, you're going to fall right off of it. And he's on our heels. But unless we slow down and think, 
he's right behind me. This pursuit of his through his mother is after me. I'll never recognize that. And I'll go right off the cliff. Out of these words you just quoted, but even today, many of my children do not know him. And don't think this Muslims or non-believers or somebody else. No, this message is to us, dear children. And she says, yes, many children, you could say, okay, that's not talking about me. It pertains to me. It pertains to all of us. Because there's aspects in all of us of elements that we do not know God. We do not know her son. But even today, many of my children do not know him. They do not want to come to know him. They are indifferent. What makes you indifferent to God? And what makes you close to God? When you're praying, when you're reflecting, when you're thinking about him. Every action of your day should be absorbed with God. But again, I call you, as our lady says, my call, to review your days, how they're spent, and what kind of things that you're absorbed in. What do you give your time to? What dictates your day? What forms your day? Are they continuing on the second of the month message saying, because of their indifferences, my heart suffers painfully because she can't get a word in. And her son, she adds to this painful message after that sentence, my son has always been in the Father. But you won't know that if the things you do throughout the day causes an indifference, makes you indifferent to prayer. And you replace prayer with things of the world. We talked about that. Being detached and give up voluntarily one's dominion over them. Those things that keep you attached. And so we have God in all his effort chasing us, but we have our free will. It keeps us elusive. And we delude ourselves, as the lady said, you're in delusion because what you think you're doing and the Christian walk you think you're occupied with, or that you are a good Christian, you're not at all. Or I'm not at all. If I've got a God in my life ahead of him, what is your God? What are those gods? You've got to start thinking why Our Lady said today, you still have not comprehended. And do you feel, at the end of the day, indifferent? Have you recognized the miracles that happened today to you? Do you know how many things that you might have been saved from, or protected from? Or did something happen today you were lost protection? You've got to get rid of things that cause indifference. Anything that ceases or stops or stimes or takes the place of prayer causes more indifference to grow. We have a world that's indifferent to God. We think he's not part of our government. When our forefathers never, ever intended that we not be, religion not be in government or Christian principles not be in our laws, they intended that the government not dictate it to us, but that every action of our religion, Christian religion, would be throughout wedded to the government. But that the government didn't have the door back to the religion or our Christianity. So it's got a passing door back to those things that people, very few people understand or comprehend, but not the government to dictate to the church. 
but the church to dictate to the government and abide by it out of respect. That's why everything used to be closed on Sundays. That's why there's no liquor sold on Sundays across the country. Because they respected God and the government, and we had a two-way door, Christianity did, but the government had one door. It was not allowed to dictate or change things. And we gave them the two-way door, and now we're limited because we don't reflect. And yet God is on pursuit with us. He's chasing us. And all we have to do is stop, and things will change for us.
in Mark's second message, Our Lady said, With him, talking of her son, with him came the light of the world, which penetrates hearts and illuminates them and fills them with love and consolation. What blocks that? Why can we not get that? Lent is a time to reflect and make changes in your life. You need to see what makes you indifferent. You need to see what preoccupies you. If you think I'm being repetitious, I'm paralleling the message of Our Lady after 35 years. You still don't understand. The mysteries of us thinking we have all the knowledge, all the understanding, walk in our Christian life, and Our Lady comes and says, you still don't comprehend. I actually wanted to ask you a question about the March 18th message. Since you were in Medjugorje, we weren't able to, to discuss the message in, in length here. But Our Lady mentions in March the March 2nd message about the Father that my coming to you is a gift from the Heavenly Father. And then she says, my son has always been in the Father. Then in March 18th message, she talks about permitting, asking us to permit what is of God to form your life by your prayer and sacrifice so that God's kingdom may be in your heart, that you may begin to live proceeding from God the Father. So first of all, if we're to permit what is of God to form our lives, what is of God in our lives? Well, that's, that's the question I pass on to our whole listeners tonight. How, what is your day when you wake up in the morning? What is forming your whole day? What schedules out your day? There's got to be something that causes us all this indifference. All these things where Our Lady's Son's not recognized in our actions in living a way of holiness and contemplation. Is the radio always blaring? Are you always on the phones? Are you always texting? Are you always responding? Compare that, add that up in a multiplication or either an additional uh, mathematical situation compared to the times that you give to God. What do you give most time to? Our Lady was not that way. You said, well, she had Jesus. You can imagine her life knowing these things and then the question that you're asking compared to the way she lived and she's told us, I did this, this is the way I live and she's calling us to do the same thing. You say, well, she didn't have the technology. She didn't have all these things surrounding her. You don't have to have that. We don't have it in our homes. We don't have cell phones in our homes. We don't have home computers. We don't have home electronics or any games or even toys for our children. And they're much better for it. They grow up throughout the whole day and their whole life where God's present. He's there. He's not replaced by a computer or a cell phone or electronic toys. Going on this trip, I was amazed at people that's 30 years old, 40 years old, 70 years old, playing the stupid computer games on the plane. The guy next to me playing solitary for eight hours. I'm thinking, what a waste of time. When he's preoccupying his time, 
thinking of that instead of prayer. Or get a good book out. Almost nobody's reading on the plane. And then you feel your seat being tapped all day on the whole trip because they're punching this. I was went to confession before I left, and the girl next to me in the line sitting going up to confession has our phone out playing a game. We sat there 20 minutes waiting to get to confession. Every time I got up and one seat more further closer to the confessional, she did this right up to the time I got up. She was next playing a computer game on her phone. This wasn't a 19-year-old. This lady was probably 28, 30, 34 years old. I don't get it. I just, just not in my mentality. I don't even understand that. But when you see this happening, you understand why there's no reflection and therefore there's indifference. And she's going to confession. And the people on the plane, what would happen in the moment if an engine went out six miles up in the air? They don't even know how to pray. They're not even ready for that. Every time I take off in a plane, whether I'm going to confession or whatever, I make an act of contrition because I prayed my whole life that my death is at the destined appointed time I'm supposed to go. I don't have to worry about when that is. If I've asked for God for that, I want to be in a state of grace for that. And when that time comes, it doesn't matter if I fly or don't fly or I'm driving down the road or whatever. If you pray for that destined time, will God not allow that to happen? And so, Doing that, I don't say, don't make this plane not crash. I'm not praying for it not to crash. How many people who don't have prayer would start begging to God, or if God, if you're there, don't let this plane crash. The engine get out. I'm saying, okay, God, this is my time to go. I'm, I'm, I want to be there. This is my time. I'm at peace. There's a situation I'm saying, hey, we might get killed doing this. Somebody driving or some situation. I just make an act of contrition. If this is my time to go, we go. It's a wonderful thing to go through your life to be connected to God and live that way that you can be at peace, get on a plane, make that contrition, okay, if this lands, then so be it. I have no fear of that because I want God's will for me. and He's got my time on the earth for a certain number of days and hours and minutes and seconds, and I don't want to live a second longer or a second less. You see, when you start connecting our these messages, how free you are, but do you have that confidence if you're preoccupied with these things of the earth? Our Lady was preoccupied with her son. Our Lady herself, knowing the prophets, knew what was going to happen to her son. I know what's going to happen when I die. That's the time I'm supposed to die. You can change that. You can live recklessly. You can crash. You can do things you shouldn't be doing. You can be preoccupied with your little gods and die. And that's interfering with God's time for you. People don't, their, their health is not taken care of. They die sooner than they're supposed to. Accidents cause things that was not God's intention. Yes, you can die in a crash. Many people are on the 9-11 planes, scheduled to crash, but they got to the airport earlier and changed the flight. Other people missed the flight. And so others got on the 9-11 planes that wasn't 
scheduled to be on that because they were getting an earlier flight in all three ways. So if you're in Belgium and it's not your time to, to die, you might be injured or something. But if you live that way, it's such a freedom knowing you've got the time and God knows it and you live by it. But we don't think this way. So many people are saved. They were supposed to be on that plane because it wasn't their time to die. They'd been in prayer. They were telling God, please make sure I die the way you want me to in the moment I'm supposed to. Write the script. That's what I always tell God. Write my script of my death. It's, it's, your, it's your story. And you're liberated from that. And if I'm supposed to die tomorrow, I'm not going to argue with God. Okay, I'm fine. And so people that were supposed to be on the planes at 9-11 end up not being on there because it wasn't their time. Maybe there's some people that were on there and it wasn't supposed to be their time for whatever reasons. But be in prayer for these things. Once we understand Jesus and what he's calling us to do and live a abandoned life and gain complete trust in God, you can go through a lot, life without a lot of anxiety. And so Mary, knowing the prophets, surely she saw Jesus and would go watch him sleep, knowing that nine years old, this child was God, no one holding his hand while he's asleep, what was going to happen to him. And I'm certain that often her eyes were filled with tears. And she reflected. And how lonely that was in those dark nights when he was 17 or 18. Knowing she couldn't baby him and what was destined to get closer and closer and closer. One thing we know, and he says in the second of the month message often, he's my son. And it's time we put down everything that stops us and prevents us from knowing that.
late at night I watch him sleep I dream of the boy he'd like to be I try to be strong and see him through Let me take his place somehow. You think for a moment that I wouldn't have done that for Jesus? See, he's not just anyone. He's my son. And you can give the things of the world and detach yourself from those things that keep you from seeing the son and who he truly is. In the books of Acts, it talks about a riot of the silversmiths. It says, About the time of a serious disturbance broke out concerning the way, 
there was a silversmith named Demetrius who made miniature silver shrines of Artemis, provided no little work for the craftsmen. In other words, it made a lot of money for them. He called a meeting of these other workers in related crafts and said, men, you know well that our prosperity derives from this work. There's a lot of money made on cell phones today. Like little gods. You talk to them. You call. You use it all day long. It makes you indifferent to prayer. Keeps you from prayer. Time that you spend on it today and throughout your months that you've lived with this thing compared to the time each day you get to prayer. Put that as a verse. Versus phone versus prayer. See what you're absorbed in. So the silversmith was upset and it caused a riot. Says, man, you know well, our prosperity derives from this work. Apple makes a lot of money from this. These little gods. You think if people threw them away, they wouldn't get upset? You think if people heard my call and they did what I did? When I started praying, I was in business. I had the first cell phone. Probably five hadn't been sold. They were $2,600. You had to screw the whole thing in your dashboard to install it. But I began to pray shortly after that, and I had an aversion to it. I knew God was showing me get rid of this thing, and I did because I was listening. Not to that phone, and I got it for business purposes. We run a whole international mission without this now. You say, I can't do without it. That's because you fabricated, made it your life, and surrounds you. You say, well, I can't do it because of my work. We do it. We're international. How do we do that? We just are not indifferent to God. We connect to him, and he showed us how to be disconnected from these things and run an international mission. So, men, you know well that our prosperity derives from the work. As you can now see and hear, not only Ephesus, but throughout the most of the province of Asia, this Paul, talking about St. Paul, has persuaded and misled a great number of people by saying that, that gods made by hands are not gods at all. My call, thank you for responding to my call. Did Our Lady reach you today or yesterday? Was she tomorrow? And how many texts, how many messages you respond to throughout the day? Phone, computers, versus my call, Our Lady. Who has the most time? It continues, the danger grows not only that our business will be discredited, but also the temple of the great God, Artemis, will be of no account. That she whom the whole province of Asia and all the world worship will be stripped. Kind of strange. Well, there was a great riot. They tried to arrest Paul. They wanted to kill him. Because they were saying to give this up. And they can't reach us today. Our lady says something incredible on uh, 
February 25th, 2016. You are lost and do not know what your goal is. I'm calling you. What does it mean? I'm phoning you. I'm seeing your messages. I'm texting you in a spiritual way. I am calling you. Return to prayer. If you return to prayer, what are you going to give up? What are you going to swap out time for? I'm calling you to return to prayer with the heart so as to find hope and meaning for your existence in prayer. She has that message saying, it's my call. Thank you for responding to my call. Are we doing that? No, we're not. There's a girl by the name of Liz Marks. It's a true story. We're going to play what was her guide in her life. We have a transcript. You can look just like the songs will be on. And it starts with a picture of her. Reflect on that. Look how beautiful this girl is. Read the transcript because audibly it may not all be understood. But her God was her phone. The wages of sin is death, Scripture says. God does not intend for you certain things that does happen to you when you replace him with something else. Like the silversmiths, and all they made these little bitty gods, and everybody bought them, and everybody's running around with cell phones, they got their little gods, and they're nothing. these cell phones are nothing more than God. It's your God in your life. You say, well, have it for business. You just walk the streets. You just go every place. Today I was out. I make a U-turn. One lane on Highway 280, you have to go one place and like cars line up. And because of new intersections, how they do it, you make a U-turn and go back the other way. And people constantly are on their cell phones. The light don't last long. You can go through two, three lights, and often you'll see somebody that just sit there because they're looking at that phone. The lady in front of me did that. And she sits there. The light almost caught me. I made the U-turn. She had made a U-turn in front of me. We go half a mile down to the next red light. Her window's down. I roll mine down. I say to her, I says, it's very uncourteous to sit there on your cell phone and causing this hesitation in traffic or I, well, me or others would miss the light. And she said to me, did I do that? I said, see how disengaged you were what you're supposed to be doing? This is what happened to Liz Marks, this beautiful girl whose life was enshrined to her little God. And things happen when you do that. There's not God's will for you. And this we suffer from every day throughout the day. I just remember sitting at home thinking to myself, it's like, I have no one. I, like, my friends were there for me at first, but after a while, they weren't. I looked up on her Facebook page, and she said on there, can anybody please hang out with me today? 
I don't have any friends. Before the car accident, the things I did in high school with my friends were, you know, just go to the high school games and everything. Every weekend, go to a party, go bowling. I was a good student. I was a role model. I was like a popular girl in high school, so I used to model. My main worry for Liz as a parent before she started driving was the typical teenage things, you know, the drugs and the alcohol and, you know, being safe and hanging around the right kind of kids and keeping her grades up. I did not think that Liz was connected to her mobile phone. I didn't realize um, that she loved her phone as much as she did. I use my cell phone every second, every minute, every hour. Like, if I didn't have it, I would freak out because I couldn't connect with my friends, I couldn't connect with anyone, couldn't connect with like, social media or anything. Like, if I didn't have my cell phone, I felt lonely. I would ask her all the time, Liz, do you text and drive? And she said, no, Mom, I swear I don't. Don't worry, I don't use my phone when I'm behind the wheel. I ignore those warnings about texting while driving because everyone else was doing it, so I thought it was okay. I thought I was invincible, but clearly, I was completely wrong. I was getting ready for work, and then 12 hours later, I'm in ICU staring at my daughter, who's bald, and tubes running in and out of her body, and it's just overwhelming devastation over a stupid text. The consequences of my life now after the car accident is the fact that I'm blind one eye now. I cannot smell. I cannot hear that very good because a bone broke in half and covered my eardrum. Um, I can't create tears because both my tear ducts got damaged and I can't put my body to sleep naturally. I take medicine and go to sleep. The hardest part about my life after the car accident was the fact that I was alone. Everyone was away at college. I wasn't. I couldn't drive, I couldn't go to college. My friends were there for me at first, but after a while, they weren't. They got tired of me. They got tired of all my problems. Don't text your loved ones when you know they're driving. It can change their lives forever. If you get a text, don't look at it. It's not worth it. Tragic. Do you know one in four wrecks now, 25% of wrecks, are caused by this thing that we see is so valuable? We're not doing this for a commercial. I'm not texting. We're doing this for a commercial that when you start following the gods of this world that forms your day, tell you what you do throughout the day that dictates everything you do. There's repercussions to that. And those repercussions are not just something that happens to Liz. It's spiritual. The void that fills our lives today is being preoccupied and self-absorbed like this woman was today when I was driving. She's so preoccupied, so absorbed. It's really a selfish thing. It's selfishness. It surrounds you. It's your God. It's replacing prayer. And I don't know how many times I have to say that to make that understood. But yet, there's other people that don't make it like Liz do. They die. 
a lot of deaths. You want to see your loved ones again? You want to have them? That doesn't mean just surviving something or an accident or the next day. How tragic it is if you're judged after you die and you never live the spiritual life and you're indifferent to God that you lose your life for eternity. As I said earlier, our youth are raised here that God is the very fabric of their life. Our life here on a daily basis in community is seamless between heaven and earth. Our Lady is, throughout our day, we are preoccupied with the messages. There's not a day in my life that we're not talking about the messages nor anybody else in this community. That's the kind of environment you have to grow into. You have to create in your family like I did first. And from there, it grows in the community. It's the future. Because love, people are pouring love. This girl, look at her picture. Look at the transcripts. She's a beautiful girl. She had friends. She had everybody. When she lost that, she's lonely. She has nobody. Because she made her love through this phone, through her connections, her life. And that God failed her. But if she was in prayer saying a rosary, would that have happened? And how many of those things that should have happened that happened this way? How tragic, how sad. Worse still than that, we had somebody, a young boy, 17, 18, I think, four or five years ago, going down a road in front of Caritas, gets two miles down the road, 12 midnight, on his phone, crashes in a tree. He's got some nice flowers there at that tree right now. It puts signs up. He shouldn't have died. But that's not even the tragedy. It's the eternity where life is snuffed out that they didn't make it and you won't see them again. To be eternally lost is the path that's taken when we become absorbed in these things and they rule our life. What rules your life that you might not ever see a loved one again, even into eternity? And that's tragic.
it's tragic the way we live and what we let form our life. And many are losing salvation because of it. You don't think being this woman today, being self-absorbed in her world, they didn't even realize she's holding that. It's, it's a lack of love of neighbor. One thing I like teaches us is always be considerate of somebody else. There's other people just a courtesy of driving. It may not seem like a serious sin. The serious side of it is you're absorbed in your own self and your own world without care about the next person. To follow the messages is to always be thinking of the consequences of your action, how you affect your neighbor. This little God is the great God of the world today. These phones are out of control, and they now are in control. And people are going to perdition. Not so much because of the thing itself, but because being self-absorbed, they're indifferent to God. And they get on the wrong path. Our Lady said on March 18th, I desire to teach you complete trust in God the Father. I desire for you to learn by an internal gaze and an internal listening to follow God's will. How are you going to follow God's will? And was it God's will for this happen to Liz? If she could have learned to have an eternal gaze and eternal listening to my call. And that's what's happening today. There's no trust in God. There's trust in the false gods. Your whole life's in it. You need to change direction now, not later. You got to trust completely, surrender to God, and believe Our Lady's words, and she'll receive you and your heart.
and do not know what your goal is. I am calling you. Return to prayer with the heart so as to find hope and the meaning of your existence in prayer. Respond to my call. Tomorrow, or even at this moment, wherever you are, know that God is calling you. He wants you to be still. To be still means to be quiet. Turn off all the voices when you're in the car tomorrow going to work. And with an internal listening, try to find his will. And you will because he's in pursuit of you. Pray with all your heart, with that eternal gaze. And you'll feel like the God who loves you means what he says. You will have an encounter. You seek this, and he'll seek you. We wish you a lady. We love you. Good night. This ends the Radio Wave Show with a friend of Metrigoria. You can order this show on CD by contacting Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Again, 205-672-2000.